0: Good morning and welcome to Atheist Talk on KTNF AM 950 the progressive voice of Minnesota. We appreciate you tuning in this morning or streaming this podcast whenever uh, you whenever you actually get to listen to it. Today is uh, Sunday, March 1st, 2020. I'm your host David Pacheco and today in the studio we have David Norton and our guest Ron Millar from the Free Thought Equality Fund PAC. During this live show, we welcome your phone calls to 952 946 6205, emails to radio at minnesota or questions on Twitter directed to atheists talk. Ron Millar is the political and PAC coordinator for the Center for Free Thought, Free Thought Equality, uh, which is the political and advocacy arm of the American Humanist Association. Specifically, he runs the Connected Political Action Committee, the, the Free Thought Equality Fund. Ron joins us to talk a little bit about the successes this PAC has had over the past few years and about the process of selecting candidates. Who does the PAC support? Who do they ultimately decide not to? Uh, So good morning, David, and uh, good Morning. morning, Ron Millar, and welcome to Atheist Talk.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
0: Thanks for joining us.
1: So can you tell us a little bit about what the Free Thought Equality Fund PAC is? Sure, sure. Um, Like you said before, it's the advocacy arm of the American Humanist Association.
2: So um, AHA is a nonprofit. The IRS is the 501c3. Um, The Center for Free Thought Equality is also a nonprofit, but it's a 501c4, which means it can do unlimited lobbying, and uh, for my purposes, it can have a connected membership um, political action committee. And so my focus is running the the PAC.
1: Okay. Can you tell us a little bit, like, how you actually decide which uh, candidates to support and which candidates not to support? Like, how do you separate that?
2: (laughs) Well, what we do is we are on a giant fishing expedition. Um, uh, What I do is I send out candidate questionnaires and some background information on my organization and our community to um, all the Democratic congressional candidates Um, and then state uh, legislators. Um, So we send out thousands and thousands of candidate questionnaires. And then uh, when they're returned, we follow up, um, have interviews with them over the phone, um, and then um, make our endorsement decisions. And it's been really effective for us. Um, I've been there since um, 2016. In 2017, we sent out questionnaires for the 2018 election, and we got one back from this uh, member, in california and he in our questionnaire we deal with a whole host of policy issues and then we also ask about religious background how they identify and um, he sent something interesting on how he identified we had an email exchange for a little while then finally had dinner and um, after he um you know uh, talked to constituents and contributors and colleagues he decided that he was willing to come out and identify as a humanist and um, agnostic. And so Jared Huffman in 2017, he's a member from California's 2nd District, became the first or the second ever member of Congress to identify with our communities. Um, the first was Pete Stark um, 10 years early earlier in 2007. So, so what we've done over the past um, several elections is, like I say, um, reaching out to candidates, uh when we first started this endeavor we knew of 5 members of state legislators who or five, five state legislators who identified with community now we're over 50 and so you know a nine hundred percent increase, which sounds really impressive, but when you consider there's seven thousand um, state legislative seats out there, we've got a lot of work to do.
0: Five to five to fifty doesn't uh, doesn't sound so good in, in, in proportion and relatively speaking, but 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 it is it does speak to the fact that it has been up until uh, quite recently um, kind of anathema to to express that kind of association uh, with an agnostic community, uh, even even a humanist community.
2: Right. I mean, being an atheist in politics. Uh, really was a political taboo for
0: for you
2: know most of american society um but we did a poll in 2018 because i was talking to a a guy in west texas he said oh i can't possibly come out as an atheist because you know i lose um two-thirds of my constituents just by putting the democratic d next to my name and then i'm pro-choice pro-lgbtq and i was thinking well then you know who else do you have to lose if you come out as <laughs> atheist? Do you already have. And so we did a poll. We didn't have any data, so we did a poll um, in, in the 2018 elections, and just to see if you know people identify if, you, if people supported all your policy uh, issues, would you lose people uh, with that? Um, and it did vary based on how you identified: atheist, agnostic, non-religious. Um, but it, what it turned out was you would still lose like 10 to 14 percent of the vote potentially mm-hmm. but then you'd have 10 to 14 percent of the voters more enthused about your campaign so it sort of seemed as a wash so that you know if you agree with a candidate's positions religion really is not that important um in making a decision um on whether to support a candidate so, and so that was good news for us so we can say you know that that, that you won't lose votes uh you'll Pretty much be a wash in your district.
0: So you'll so you'll get people who support you because of your positions, uh, in spite of how you identify religiously. So it'll it, exactly. it'll balance people, out in both directions.
2: Priori- yeah, people prioritize the positions you take, and in actually in such a divided society that we're in right now, um, just your political identification uh, will sway sway the majority of voters.
0: I mentioned that people uh, are, are a little, still a little concerned anyway. I mean, you, m- you might tell them, well, this balances out in the scheme of things, but you're telling people you're going to lose 10 to 14% of the vote just because of using a particular word to describe yourself, and, and, and a word that, uh, I mean, given that risk, well, why not just keep that a secret?
2: Exactly, and it is, you know, it still is a liability. It's simply not the taboo that it once was. And so that's what our work is all about, is trying to get rid of that last little bit that makes it a liability, um, and the only way to get rid of that though is to have leaders who stand up and say, "Hey, you know, people identify them, they respect them, and then they realize that all their preconceptions are wrong, and um, and and we will get rid of that last little bit. But it does take courage to come out and and to identify as an atheist, humanist, or agnostic. And so that's why you know, we're really proud of the elected officials we've identified, the candidates we've identified, because they are going to. Uh, you know, make a change for our entire community uh, by, by normalizing the idea of being an atheist and humanist.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say, I'm, I'm sure the more people you get uh, that are willing to come out, the more normalized it'll get, and the less of a big deal it'll get over time. Um, do you guys also, like, encourage people to run, to get them engaged, to try to I suppose, normalize it a bit more just to get it more out there? Or do you primarily look at people who are already running?
2: Um, for our, we're a very small pack. So generally we are looking at people who are already running just to be their authentic selves um, uh, uh, in identifying with us. Although, you know, I, I give talks across the country and urge our members, um, local affiliates to, to, to run for public office, um, you know, be it school board, town council. You know, there's there's half a million elected positions out there. So um, you know, there's got to be one that works for 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 a lot of folks. So we just we just need to start running for office and and being part of the political process.
0: It's normalizing uh, uh, people, right? It's, it's people being able to recognize. Um, in their representatives, uh, people who represent themselves, right? It's that's that's the critical part of it. It's it's I think what we've seen within the LGBT community is uh, very similar too. Is once you ha- see people out there represented in uh, uh, public life, whether it's as a legislator or whether it's you know characters on TV and in movies and and uh, just people who are outspoken and and visible, uh, it, it really opens the doors for other people to uh, to come out quote unquote in, in, in the various uh, definitions of that term. Um, and, uh, and take stands and take positions and, and kind of stand up and say, yes, I am a member of this community and I am a contributing member. I am a, a participating. I, I, I give back, I work for my community. I, I, I choose to represent my community, uh, and doing so in a way that doesn't hide who they are as, uh, as individuals.
2: Exactly. And like with our poll results, um, you know, when we ask the question, it's that nameless, faceless, atheist, humanist, or agnostic. But once you put a face to it, and, you know, especially if it's somebody that you, you know, know or agree with or or, or admire in their leadership, you know, again, all, all your preconceptions just melt away. And, and, and that's worked really well within the, the LGBT community. And I think it'll work with our community, too.
0: I did notice um, that you did uh, uh, mention specifically that you search out Democratic candidates. Is that, is, is, is that specifically who you go to, or have you been able to reach out to any members of other parties, independents or Republicans, Green Party members, that, uh, 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 that uh, you might want to assist with the PAC?
2: We have focused on the Democratic Party simply because we're a small PAC, and you know, we have only so many resources. Um, and we don't reach out to Republicans because, you know, core elements of our, our questionnaire are, you know, uh, climate change, reproductive rights, LGBTQ equality. And those issues, we promote them because they're only political issues because of the, the, the Christian nationalists out there. Um, you know, we'd actually be addressing climate change rather than debating whether it exists or not, and we'd be folk, uh, freed up from dealing with reproductive rights and LGBTQ equality so in congress right now i don't think there are any republican members who are both um lgbtq friendly and support reproductive rights it, the republican party has been so captured by um the the christian nationalists that um that there is no um ability for candidates like that to 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 be in their system so so we don't reach out to them we don't reach out to greens or independents simply because um you know, at this point, they're not winning elections. So we want to focus on people who, um, you know, have have the chance to to obtain their seats. Sure. So again, it's,
0: it's i, I we need to. Sorry, Ron, sorry to interrupt yeah. you real quick, Ron. We do have to take a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, please stay with us through the break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the criteria that you're using. This is this is part of it. Obviously, we'll return to Atheist Talk with our guest, Ron Millar. I am David Pacheco, along with David Norton. And you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is Atheists Talk. I'm your host, David Pacheco. This is a live show, and we welcome questions at 952-946-6205 or emailed to radio at minnesotaatheists.org. Find us on Twitter or Facebook under Atheists Talk. Today I'm here with David Norton, and our guest is Ron Millar from the Free Thought Equality Fund PAC. Welcome back, David. Welcome back, Ron.
1: Yeah. Thank you. So, Ron, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about, like, the policies and issues you guys look at? And let's imagine that I'm a legislator and I'm receiving this questionnaire. Can you walk us through, like, what we would expect to see on the questionnaire and how all that works?
2: Well, sure. We send out a a really good packet. In addition to the questionnaire, we also have um, a little um, pamphlet um, about running for office. It's an atheist humanist guide. Um, and it's also you know we also call it a primer for non theist and allied candidates because we are looking for allies too and then uh, we we also have included uh, the results from the poll that we talked about earlier and then actually on the questionnaire we have questions on climate change um, you know evolution reproductive rights um, school vouchers uh, medical aid and dying um, you know expanding the Civil Rights Act for LGBTQ you um, Restoring um, um, the, the pre-clearance to the Voting Rights Act to, to prevent um, uh, minorities from being discriminated against um, um, in, in access to the ballot. And then we have questions like, um, you know, do you think belief in God is a requirement to live an ethical life? And then we ask about, you know, what's your religious background and how do you identify when asked to do so? Um, and then from that, like I said, before we get the questionnaires back, I do a little phone interview with them and, um, and then um, send off their information to our board for approval to endorse.
0: That sounds that, that, that sounds like a, quite an extensive uh, uh, questionnaire. Um, I mean, that's that's a lot of issues to address. A lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, core issues that you need to be aligned with with these. Uh, candidates to uh, to get what what's what's your response rate I mean I can't imagine in the busy life of a legislator receiving something that's you know several pages long and goes into quite detailed and in some cases non-public uh, answers for these um, uh, for these legislators and what's your uh, what's your response rate
2: the response rate varies um, year to year I think you know in our meager years we get like a six percent response rate better years we get nine percent but it really is. I mean, people recognize us as a small political action committee, and so yeah, when they're they're choosing between us and the Victory Fund, uh, they might put ours aside. Um, also, but our questionnaire is actually not as long as, say, Emily's List or the Victory Fund or some of the other ones, who go into a very long endorsement process. So, so we make ours as easy as possible to fill out. Uh, you know, we have a, a PDF that we send out so we can just fill it out, email it back to me. Um, but again, I think our response rate is due uh, uh, to the nature of our pact, um, representing atheists and humanists. And, you know, we're just not there yet. And also, we are a tiny little pack. You know, we're only going to spend probably, um, you know, uh, $40,000 in this election cycle uh, to federal and some state candidates. And that's, that's a tiny pack. I go to these um, federal election commission trainings, you know, and I'm with the groundskeepers who were concerned that, you know, they're only going to get a little over six figures uh, this year. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd really <laughs> like to get to six figures someday.
0: Um, <laughs> the world's so tiniest violin in the background there. <laughs> exactly.
2: exactly. But, um, you know, the whole point is we're, we're started and we're growing and, um, you know, you, know, you, you got to start someplace um, and, this is a good time to plug the organization uh, because uh, membership in the Center for Free Thought Equality is absolutely free. That might be also why we don't have a lot of money to spend. But, <laughs> but what we want to do is get more people to join us uh, so that they know about our candidates because um, the PAC, the PAC is connected to the Center for Free Thought Equality. So that means that only members of the Center for Free Thought Equality get to know about who we endorse. So. So please go to the Center for Free Thought Equality, join up to be a member. Like I say, it's absolutely free. And you'll get great emails from me about our fabulous candidates and the other stuff that we're doing.
0: And the, uh, uh, we'll, 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 we'll bring that up anyway right now. The freethoughtequality.org. Sorry, it's freethoughtequality.org. Uh, is the uh, website for the Free Thought Equality Fund PAC, and uh, obviously has a ton of information uh, there right. about, the, about the candidates, but also, uh, uh, but also about resources. And I wonder, David, I know you uh, had a question about uh, uh, the resources they make available, both to legislators, but also to people who are interested uh, in getting involved.
1: Yeah, I was taking a look at that website and it looks like you had a lot of stuff like under the resources tab about making your voice heard, engaging your group, and uh, l- running for office. It sounds like you really do want to get um people involved and uh kind of like a grassroots movement kind of in a way. You have resources there for how people can take a look at um like the voting record of different candidates. Can you tell us like how you put all that together and I guess what your is you make that available,
2: yeah. sure i mean it's really important that our community gets engaged in the political process and we haven't um you know when they're they're when they're reporting out um, um who's participating in elections we've been down into the 15 and 17 percent category and that also includes the nuns. so we should be closer to the 25 percent uh participation rate so we've got a lot of work just to make sure our people realize that they should be engaged in the process and again i think it, it partly is that when they don't see folks who identify as uh, with us um you know they're not as motivated to go out and vote but you know and, it, and it's not just voting in the presidential elections either it's voting in every election at the local level and um, um and running for office at the local level so so um, we do have the resources like making your voice heard It gives lots of ideas about things you can do to become more uh, involved in in the political process. Engaging your group is perhaps the most important one, because we have all these affiliates. And people think that nonprofits shouldn't or can't be involved in the electoral process, but you can. Um, There's this great group called um, Boulder Advocacy that's funded by the Alliance for Justice that uh, spells out exactly what um, nonprofit groups can do. And it's things like, you know, doing voter registration drives, uh, get-out-the-vote efforts, hosting candidate forums. Um, so it's it's real important that, um, again, uh, our people are motivated to become more involved in the electoral process. And, you know, as a basic one, just vote. <laughs> you know, you we vote, have vote. to be registered. Yeah, we registered. Have to be registered. And we have to vote, and not just once every four years, but, you know. Like Minnesota, you're going to be in Super Tuesday, but Mm -hmm. that's only for the presidential race. Perhaps your more important primary is coming up on August 11th, when you're going to have a whole host of candidates that you can vote Mm -hmm. for. So just being informed and engaged is incredibly important.
0: Being involved in the the political process at the lowest levels. I mean, uh, people who start out uh, in the school boards, uh, right, end up running for uh, for legislator uh, positions eventually. Right, people who get involved that, at those lower levels, uh, eventually uh, go to the higher levels too, and, and hopefully at some point to the national level too. And that's why it's really important uh, to to, as you say, to use the resources and uh, websites and organizations like the Free Thought Equality Fund Pack uh, to say what can I do? I mean, I don't necessarily have to just run, but I need to be aware of what's happening around me. I need to be aware of the Legislation that's being proposed. I need to be aware of the uh, of the cases that are being brought towards the Supreme Court, uh, so that I can understand what uh, what impact I can have uh, on my local community and the legislation that affects it, but also at the national level too. Right, we're gonna to have to take another break. Uh, please stay with us through this break. Uh, We will return to Atheist Talk with our uh, guest today, our guest Ron Millar. Uh, This is David Pacheco, and you are listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I am your host, David Pacheco, and I'm here with David Norton. Atheist Talk is an unusual show. There are very few places in the U.S. where somebody can randomly turn on commercial radio and hear a bunch of atheists talking about topics that interest them. Much of the work to keep us on the air is done by a very dedicated group of volunteers, but we do need your help, too. Today, we'd like to thank in particular Cindy, Ross, Dick, and Steve for their recent donations. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation to our radio fund, please visit mnatheists.org or search for Atheists Talk on Patreon and sign up for exclusive content. Atheists Talk is produced with funding from the Minnesota Atheists, American Atheists, and Cucumbers Restaurant. If you would like to advertise on this program, please contact us at radio at mnatheists.org. Our music is composed by member Brent Michael Davids and used with permission. Opinions expressed on this show are those of the speakers. You can find Minnesota Atheists' public policy positions at mnatheists.org. Please consider becoming a member of Minnesota Atheists if you're not already. Support our work and help steer our future direction. We are on the uh, radio today on the air with Ron Millar. And uh, if you have a question or a comment on today's show, please call us at 952-946-6205, email to radio at minnesotaatheists.org, or find Atheist Talk on Twitter or Facebook. Ron Millar today is here talking with us about funding free thought political candidates with his organization, the Free Thought Equality Fund PAC. And we actually have a call uh, from John up in Todd County uh, who is uh, interested in asking a question about uh, about activism up in that area and identifying as uh, as an atheist. Uh, John, are you with us? John, are you with us? We may have lost John. All right, we'll try and get him back on the... Uh, Uh, Back on as soon as we can, but uh, we're back here with uh, Ron Millar and uh, continue to talk about that identification as an atheist or as a humanist or as an agnostic uh, and the impact that might have on on somebody's uh, election. Oh, (laughs) Oh. that was not the call we expect. All right, So do we still have Ron on the air for us? We might not. We'll, okay, we'll try and get him back in the air. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Free Thought Equality Fund pack. Um, actually, there are some endorsements that uh, we wanted to talk about um, for uh, uh, for the Free Thought Equality Fund pack uh, that they have done in 2019. Uh, we've got Stephen Byrd, who is running for New Jersey General Assembly, District 28th. Mark Friedenberg, who's running for the U.S. House of Representatives in Pennsylvania. Uh, in the 12th Congressional uh, District. He ran uh, for Congress and earned about 32% of the vote. Uh, Carl Frisch, who's uh, running for the Fairfax County, Virginia School Board in Providence District, Uh, he won election to that, actually, with 62% of the vote, and he identifies as agnostic. Uh, Herb Jones, running for Virginia State Senate District 3, Uh, he identifies as religiously unaffiliated. Uh, And uh, he has a strong focus on transparency and uh, economic equity issues to include uh, education and taxes and criminal justice. Several more, Flo Kettner from Virginia State District 19, Virginia State Senate uh, District 19. Uh, she is a, uh, she is, identifies as spiritual and an ally of the atheist and humanist community. So as you can see, there's, there's quite a variety uh, of people who, uh, who get involved in it, different levels of belief. As, as Ron Millar was saying earlier, um, this is not necessarily, uh, okay, we're only going to support people who identify as atheists. We're only going to support people who identify as humanists or agnostics. Uh, I think some of the critical questions that they're asking in those core issues and the core criteria, uh, David, I don't know what you think about this, but uh, but they really seem to be uh, an affiliation with that core set of issues as opposed to a religious uh, um, affiliation.
1: Yeah, it was um it was really, really interesting. It looked like there was um, kind of the principles at the center of all those questions. It kind of seemed like they were trying to make sure that the candidates like accept the results of science and are going for inclusion and things like like it seems like there's a couple of core principles at the center of all that.
0: So I think we've got Hi, some- this is Hey Ron. Good to have you back, Ron. Welcome back. Sorry we lost you there for a second. Technical issues, we love those. We think those were sunspots. Uh that it might have been an it might have been an act of God. We don't really know. Um, but speaking of speaking of science, how how I did have a question. How important is it for us to have scientist legislators?
2: <laughs> um, well you you're you're looking at it right now with the coronavirus. Um Mm. you know, we've got to have people that fight back um, when when uh you know they're subverting uh, uh the actual science of what's going on to the politics of it and um you know it, you, you would think that having evidence-based public policy would be a natural but uh we're far from it and so so we uh, you know we we've got to elect people who are going to have that at the forefront of their their uh, agenda uh, and that's actually one of the great things when um when, when Jared Huffman um, announced, he was getting all kinds of congratulations from from uh, his colleagues on the Hill. And one of the things we had talked about when we had dinner with him, we had like six things that we, you know, a wish list of things we wanted to see. And one of them was creating a a caucus within Congress that would focus on evidence based public policy, maintaining the secular character of our government, and also normalizing the idea of having atheists and humanists um, in public office. And so, you know, at the time we said, well, you can't be a caucus of one, but it happened anyway. Because he got such great feedback. Um, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after he announced, we had a meeting in his home on Capitol Hill with several members of Congress, and um, they wanted to form a caucus to support his his being the only humanist and agnostic <laughs> member of Congress. And so now there there is there is such a caucus focusing on evidence based public policy. It only has twelve members right now, but um, you know, when you talk to your uh, elected officials from Capitol Hill, tell them to join the Congressional Free Thought Caucus so that we can build it up.
0: And that was started in uh, in twenty eighteen, I believe.
2: Uh, yes, that's uh, correct. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, and and so, what uh, what has their focus been? What has uh, uh, what have their efforts been uh, in terms of supporting uh, legislation, supporting movement?
2: Um, it's been a lot of education. Materials it's been opposing some of the regs that um, the president has put forward uh, putting putting a religious um, um, aspect on you know health and human services regs um, they've had a couple um, uh, speakers come in um, to talk about um, actual religious liberty where where people are being threatened um, overseas for being atheists and humanists um, and so yeah it, they're just starting out they're doing some great work. Um, and yeah, we need more members to, 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 to expand our reach.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, there was a point you were talking about earlier, uh, like way in the beginning, where politicians were kind of afraid to, to speak out for fear of alienating uh, the electorate. But I also think it's a bit of a, a catch-22. As voters, we need to make sure that we let people know that hey, we are a segment of the voting population, and for um, humanists and atheists and all of that to have their issues addressed and have politicians take them seriously, we need to let them know that we are an actual segment of it that they can earn.
0: And a significant segment. I mean, I think uh, based on the latest polls, we've got somewhere between 22 and 25% of the population of the voting population in the U.S. who identify – as non-religious. Now, mm-hmm. that, that can mean a lot of things. doesn't necessarily mean they're agnostic, doesn't necessarily mean they're atheist, but that's, you know, that, that, that's more than any particular organization um, or, or, or subclassification of, uh, of Christian uh, churches in, in the United States, right? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a significant percentage. And I think to your point, uh, David, is that um, we need to make sure that everybody knows that that one quarter of the U.S. population deserves representation Mm -hmm. and has issues that uh, uh, that are important to them uh, and uh, and that they will vote. They will vote for the people who represent those things. Uh, What are your thoughts on that, Ron?
2: Definitely, definitely. We have to organize um, and we have to be visible. Um, American atheists are actually doing some great work going to the presidential uh, um, campaign events, wearing their swag with T-shirts and buttons. Um, and then um, meeting with the candidates and saying, hey, I'm an atheist, what are you guys going to do for us? And, you know, if more and more of us go out there and do that, and, again, it's the visibility issue, it's asking questions that relate to our community, uh, and they're, they're taking notice. And, you know, the demographics are with us. Um, our problem is how do we organize these folks and how do we get them in an organized manner out <laughs> to events?
0: And, I think, and again, have, the- I think we have somebody actually on the call. We, we got John back on the phone. Uh, and uh, he had a question specifically about that, about identifying uh, as an atheist or as a non-religious person uh, and uh, running for legislature. John, are you on the line with us? Hello. Am I here? Yes, you are, John. Go ahead and ask your question. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of used to poor communications, living
2: in a rural area. Well,
0: well, we're Uh, we're glad glad you made it back. Yeah.
2: Um, Well, what I'm saying is uh, the area I live in is so conservative— um, I can't go anywhere without a MAGA hat sitting next to me, um, on there. And then also I'm in business and, uh, just by identifying, uh, being progressive, I've lost a couple customers. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, so you get to an area and I agree with the fact that nationwide, the, um, um, Twenty-five percent is non-religious, but I would have to disagree with the rural areas being that way.
0: That's a very good point, uh, Ron. What would you uh, what would you say to somebody who's in a far more conservative area uh, that uh, may be a lot more hostile uh, to uh, uh, to the non-religious? Uh, what would you say to people who want to uh, participate in activism there? Ron, do we have you? Uh...
2: Yes, I, I'm back. Hi, this is Ron.
0: So what? Uh, so what would you say to somebody who uh, lives in a in a more uh, conservative area? In this case, I believe Northern Minnesota, that uh, uh, that perhaps uh, has even less support um, uh, for uh, this kind of uh, uh, this kind of pack, this kind of organization, and perhaps is uh, areas that are a lot more hostile to non- the non-religious.
2: Sure, and it is going to vary greatly district by
0: district and your community by community, and. Oh, we seem to have lost Ron, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, we did. We are having a ton of fun today on our, uh, uh, on our technical issues. Um, so, uh, so to get back to the point, I, I, I think it's true that it is very much more problematic in certain areas of the country. Um, but that, I think, speaks to even more being able to bring people um, to uh, the public being, uh, and to the public consciousness um, at the national level uh, mm. people who are uh, non-religious people who are, consider themselves whatever they want to call themselves, spiritual, agnostic, atheist, um, in order to expose or in order to surface that, uh, that kind of person and to say, hey, these are normal people working on legislation representing a large percentage of the population uh, and so really you don't, um, you don't want to be uh, 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 in the situation where nobody is visible but yes, it is, it is a lot harder Uh, Mm -hmm. In those uh, uh, more conservative communities, uh, more conservative areas uh, where uh, perhaps the representation isn't as good.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where, um, you know, the politicians have to kind of earn that support from them by showing up for these different issues. And then the electorate has to also earn the politicians to talk to them, too, by making themselves available. So I think where it's safe to kind of come out
0: and get involved in that, you should. Yeah, it's harder to do, though. Please stay with us through the break and through our technical issues. We will return to Atheist Talk with our guest, Ron Millar. I am David Pacheco, and you're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. This is Atheist's Talk. I am your host David Pacheco along with David Norton. Today's guest is Ron Millar from the Free Thought Equality Fund PAC. Welcome back, Ron. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, it's um so I'm curious about that questionnaire you were talking about. What happens if people answer saying that they're in support of these issues but they don't identify as non-religion? so, like say sure. they're Christian and they still say, "Hey, I believe in evolution, I believe in climate change, et cetera, et cetera. How do you proceed from there?
2: Sure, we do endorse allies too, because we need allies uh-huh. um, to to you know defend us if our candidates are getting attacked, um, to push through legislation that we won't push through um, the the federal or state house. So um yeah, yeah we we welcome uh, allies to to our movement.
0: But it's, it, I imagine that, uh, that you get people who, um, who don't answer, who don't check all the boxes, right? You, uh, uh, yes, definitely, as, as David was asking, um, specifically the religious ones. But uh, I, I imagine there are people who, who go, well, you know, I support most of these things. Um, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not uh, so much in favor of the Preclearance Act. Uh, do, do they have to check all of the boxes in order to get, uh, uh, to get the support of the PAC?
2: no i mean i will follow up with a phone call and just to get the rationale behind some of their questions if they do a simple yes no and if their the rationale um you know still meets our criteria then we can move ahead with them but um like i say the the questions that we have there are really are only political questions because of the religious right and um you know we need to to actually start working on other issues and addressing climate change and, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stop talking about reproductive rights and LGBTQ equality, and so,
0: make it happen. So, so numerically, I mean, we're, we're talking about you. You said that the results, uh, or the responses you get from your polls, is somewhere between six and nine percent. Uh, uh, after that uh, selection criteria and after that, that the board. I mean, what's the what are the numbers we're talking about of people? Uh, you know, the significant reduction from the total amount of legislators down to that six and nine percent who actually respond. How many of those actually make it through the process? Sure. I think
2: in 2018 we had a little over 200 endorsed candidates. We have over 60 now, and we'll probably hit that 200 uh, number uh, before the general election. Um, so I would think—I hmm, don't know if it's a, if it's half you know, don't make it from the questionnaire period to the the endorsement phase. Or it, it might be around that area, and some of that's because folks, um, you know aren't with us on, on the, the key issues. Um, some of it is, um, you know, when we do the phone call and we're talking to folks that they're not quite ready to, to announce that they're an atheist or humanist, you know, uh, we don't want to do any harm to a campaign, so we'll back off on an endorsement. Uh, if they, well, they so that's
0: uh, yeah, that's an interesting point. So, so you do have criteria that, uh, that filters people, out. And so, so can we talk about without, uh, um, for identification purposes, obviously, uh, perhaps, you know, we don't want to name any names, but, uh, but could you talk about specific candidates that you have said, eh, no, they, this, this uh, person may identify as atheist, they may not be uh, open to talking about it, but, or, or maybe they are, but you've decided within the pack or the board has decided not to endorse. Could you uh, tell us about some of those examples?
2: Well, generally that happens within the, the conversations I have with the candidates because, you know, I want people to be 100% comfortable with, with being identified and also with being endorsed by us. And if they're not, you know, uh, it, it does not affect me personally to walk away. <laughs> and, you know, there's <laughs> no hard feelings. And my hope is, you know, two years down the line that they'll see, you know, the progress that we've made, they'll feel more comfortable and, um you know, identify with us the,
1: in in their reelection. I'm oh, I'm really curious. I don't know. I don't know how big of a deal this is, but um, there are so many terms that people can come out as non-religious, spiritual, yeah. freethinker, humanist, agnostic, atheist. Like, is there? Do you find that a lot of them are more comfortable with certain things? Like, how does that play a role in all of this?
2: Sure. I have a very broad view of our community i mean i include you know the nuns within our community so that does get us up to the 25 percent um but when i'm dealing with candidates you know anybody who's in that gray area who is you know not religious or a nun you know i do ask the the follow-up question well do you consider yourself an ally to our community or a member of our community Mm. in the you know and so um but but for me if someone says you know i'm not religious and and we endorse them That's great, because then the next time when they're in re-election, maybe they'll take a term that's, you know, more commonly known with our community. It's a progression. Mm -hmm. Like when Pete Stark announced in 2007 um, that he was a member of our community, he first—because I was working with the Secular Coalition for America at that time—he said that, um, you know, he was a Unitarian who didn't hold a God belief. Then, you know, shortly after that, he got an award from the American Humanist Association— then he was comfortable using the term "humanist" you know in about a year, and then a year after that he was comfortable using the term atheist um so again, for a lot of folks it, it is a progression it's just you know once they get to know our community, become comfortable with our community and really feel like they're a member of our community, then you know they, they pick ideas that are more familiar uh, to us and then we have people who have multiple ideas too. We have this great guy I, he he's in a small town in upstate New York. Um, but I got to know him because he um, he wore a colander on his head when he was doing <laughs> the Yes, we uh, need like, more pastafarians in this, office. He was in this business suit. He's this middle-aged white guy with a colander on his head. And I said, "I love you. You have to be on my list to do a nice conversation," and he's now on our list. So.
0: That's so good. Again. So, pastafarians yeah. also uh, also might get uh, some assistance from the free thought equality pack. It's good to know. We, we've got uh, just a, in the short period of time we have left. Uh, I'm really curious, though. I imagine that there are people who uh, who are kind of closet agnostics, closet atheists, um, who who will accept uh, um, endorsement from your pack, but perhaps not might not be comfortable uh, as as coming out, so to speak, as uh, as agnostics or atheists. Um, tell us about that. Is that a significant portion of the legislature? Is that a small number? I mean, what's, uh, what's your, what's your <laughs> feeling about how many hidden agnostics and atheists we have in our, uh, overwhelmingly white Christian uh, <laughs> appearing, uh, legislature?
2: There are, like I said, we have, well, when you count local elected officials, we're, we we have a little over 70 on our list that we have at the Center for Free Thought Equality. I would say it is a much larger number than that in those <laughs> who don't identify with our community yet. That's good. Um, I don't know what that I don't know what that number is but I'm sure we
0: could easily double or triple it if That's good uh, to hear. people felt comfortable That's good to hear. All
2: right, yeah, so, so it. It's, it's a matter of just making people comfortable.
0: All right, so the mission of the Free Thought Equality Fund PAC is to change the face of American politics and to achieve equality by increasing the number of open humanists and atheists in public office at all levels of government. You can find them at freethoughtequality.org. Ron Millar, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks for
0: having me. I would like to thank our audience for tuning in to Atheist Talk. This is David Pacheco, your host. I've been here with David Norton. Please join us again next Sunday. I am very proud to be on the air with the Minnesota Atheists, and I hope that you appreciate the show. The show depends on the generous support of our members, our sponsors, and donors. Please consider supporting the show through the donation link at mnatheists.org. This is Atheist Talk on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The podcast for the show will be on our radio page as soon as possible. Have a great Sunday.